0: Welcome to Gears Action Growth, shifting business culture one conversation at a time. My name is Christy Mori and I'm joining Dr. Josephine Palermo, whose superpower is to create business cultures that transform organizations team by team. Today we'll be chatting about good business culture. Hope you get value from it. Good to hear from you. I was gonna say good to see you, but good to hear from you. Our audio has been really great lately. How's it going? Oh, I'm really
1: good, Christy. Um, feeling very buoyant with Melbourne starting to open up. I was um, driving in Fitzroy down Gertrude Street yesterday, and there were people outside having lunch, and it just felt so awesome to see people out and about, and the shops reopening, and um, it just, you know, there's a sense of hope in the air. So it actually was a really good day yesterday.
0: Yeah, definitely. I know our local parks and things, so many families are out on the grass. Yeah. It's like Disneyland almost. It is, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. so foreign though, isn't it? Like from the nothing to everybody going out.
1: It is, it is. And I think, um, you know, I think it, it should be really, um, mentioned that not everybody is going to feel great about that because there's this kind of, um, some people will feel intrepidation because we've been sort of on our own at home for so long. So, so yeah, we have to be kind to each other because not everybody's going to feel comfortable about being out and about.
0: Well, that's very very true. Mm-hmm. So listeners in Melbourne, we're there yeah. with you. Yeah. Um, and today, on that positive note, we'll be talking about good business culture to give you f- further insight of the flip side from bad mm-hmm. business culture, and we'll be specifically talking about what makes a business culture good and why a good culture is vital. Yeah. And lastly, if a business does have go- bad culture. How can you flip it to a good culture, especially as a leader? So let's go with what makes a business culture, quote, good. And are there Mm -hmm. some key attributes that we can identify? Mm, Okay.
1: Thanks, Christy. I I, I love to start here because I think that, um, you know, uh, last week we talked about bad culture. And I'm going to say the same thing that I said about bad culture when we're talking about good culture. Cultures are not necessarily good and bad but they are better if they are geared towards fitting the purpose of the organisation or company. So if your company has certain business goals, your culture really needs to be aligned to that. It also needs to be aligned to your values and that's what makes it good or even great. And then on top of that, because really when we think about it, companies are people. You know, we think of companies as Kind of institutions or financial structures but really what makes things happen are people and when people are in good cultures or even great cultures they're going to perform better because their engagement will be higher so, so a good culture is a culture where you feel like you can flourish in that culture where people are really um, living the values of the company where that there's values alignment where there is some real really um, some key characteristics that relate to the way in which people interact with each other with respect um, there where people are recognized for the work that they do and where people are very clear about purpose so let's start with that so you know let's let's think about a good culture being a culture that is very clear about its purpose the culture imbues that it has it, it demonstrates that. I, I talk to uh, business leaders about signature moments. And what I mean by signature moments is what are those kind of symbols or those um, moments in in the, the company's day or week or month where everybody can feel the culture of the organization and they instantly understand that it's aligned to the company's values and it's aligned to the company's purpose. So these are signature moments that can really make a difference to people because what it does is it keeps turning people towards focusing on the key purpose or the key goals of the organization. I'll give you an example. If you've got an organization, um, let's take Boost for example. Boost is an organization that's done really well. They've actually um, uh, really thrived on a culture that is aligned to their their values and their values are around you know producing something that's fun and healthy because you know boost was the sort of first company that kind of brought smoothies and shakes to a more vibrant um you know kind of um, mass market if you like so it's about being healthy and it's about really caring for the individual. so a company like boost if you've got workers at boost um, experiencing a culture where they're not recognized for their strengths, where they're, they're put in situations that are really not great for their health and well being, where maybe occupational health and safety are not a focus of individuals, where they're not trained to perform well. All of those aspects around the way in which um, people interact with each other and their ability to do a good job are going to feel misaligned to boost purpose. And I'm not suggesting that boost has a culture like that. I think boost has a a great culture and employee satisfaction um, at boost. Um, Although I haven't looked at the latest statistics, but I'm, you know, you can, you get even from a customer perspective, you get a sense that people who work at boost um, enjoy their day. Um, And I don't know if that's been your experience,
0: Christy. are you a boost customer? (laughs) <laughs> is that the juice bar you're talking about? Yeah, the juice bar. I think yeah. we have them. So I'm originally from Canada, and I think uh, yeah. we do have Boost. Like it's an international yeah. mm. company, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, but, but, yeah. I yeah. think it's more popular here because that's like okay. the stands where they make the shakes and things like that. Exactly. It, well, it is. Yeah. the The founder is Australian. So what?
1: What? But where that company? Um, sort of, I guess, takes its culture is you can feel it from a customer perspective. So when I'm in a um, when I get served by someone at boost, I can um, I get a sense that they that the team are working behind the counter well. That they're, um, they they smile at each other. That there's a kind of good there's good communication between each of the the workers. And so what I would expect is that also all of those other things I talked about are aligned. Um, you you can't sell uh, a product that is about health and well being and then have people in your organisation not demonstrating that, not not feeling like they themselves are looked after that way. And the signature experiences that I'd, ex- I'd expect there would be what leaders and managers do in that organisation and how people are treated. So it could be that, for example, that um, employees could have benefits that relate to their health and well being more so than in, say, another organisation, because that's the purpose of, of that organisation is to really drive health and well being. So there's a sort of um, alignment there. And, and the alignment is around what the interactions that people have with each other and also where decisions are made. So how much control is um, given to, to people who are closer to doing the work. Um, so for example, if, um, if I was a manager in an organization like that, I would expect that my staff are well-trained, I give them support to make decisions they need to make in order to deliver some value to the customer Um, in organizations where staff are not given enough autonomy over the decisions that they can make um, what you have is very slow improvement in that organization or you might have you know staff who feel like they can't make a decision they have to get approvals two or three you know rungs up that's you know very classic traditional hierarchical way of working in those Um, organisations, your culture will suffer because people don't feel empowered to make decisions or they don't feel empowered to improve because also uh, for companies to have great sustainability, to keep innovating, to keep um, creating more and more value for customers as customer demand changes and customer preferences changes, you need your staff to be able to make improvements because it's your staff who are going to be interacting with the customer so if you don't empower your staff to voice their ideas for example in a more open culture where where ideas can flourish even um, where i any idea can flourish um, and be tested then your staff aren't going to necessarily make that make that they might see that something could be improved, but they're not going to tell management because they're going to believe it just falls on deaf ears. So a good culture is what is a culture too, where as much as possible, the decision-making for how work gets done is, is at the lowest part of the, as much as possible of the organization.
0: Okay. So this sort of leads into asking, why is it that the culture would be vital to an organization and you've touched a lot about um how people can be empowered and and henceforth the business can grow better when people feel Mm. empowered and they have a certain sense that they matter
1: yes so that's important but the reason why culture or business culture is vital is also related to employee engagement. So, if your employees are not engaged, in other words, they might be coming to work, they might be on time, but their brain is elsewhere. They they're not focused on what they're doing. They're not focused on achieving your business goals. Um, they might be performing maybe just enough to get by, but they're not. Employees that are engaged are those employees that will always go above and beyond they'll be thinking about you know improving and innovating they'll be also thinking about doing the best job they possibly can to help customers they'll be one step ahead they'll be proactive and they're the kind of employees you want and in fact um, i was looking at some recent statistics on um, employee engagement and gallup poll did a, a recent global survey, they, they surveyed 142 countries and Australia's always included in these surveys and they showed that globally 63% of employees are not engaged at work and 24% are actively disengaged and when you have disengaged employees they're sabotaging your company. They're either um, not doing their job well or they're actively sabotaging, <laughs> they, they might be doing something that, that um, for example, they might be interacting with your customers in a way that would shock you, they might be, you know, doing all sorts of things to actively sabotage your bottom line. So what that like that Gallup poll found, like if you look at it from a kind of a numbers perspective, that's actually more than 900 million people in the world across these 142 countries who are not engaged in the work that they're doing yeah.
0: 900 million people it, over 900 million people even though that's a shocking number i definitely can understand it's a it's a huge number but i can also understand that it is the reality you know, so, it's, not so, it's not so foreign, I think, as a concept mm. around the world. You know, Australia, it doesn't matter really what kind of country. I think if people are not feeling like they're appreciated or empowered, that mm. can definitely happen. Exactly. And, and really, business leaders need to tune in on this because
1: if you have an engaged workforce, and, and the, the statistics are really clear on that. If you have a workforce that's highly engaged, it means you can expect 19% increase in your operating income versus a low um, level of engagement, which will give you a 33% decrease in your operating income. So it absolutely affects your bottom line. There's no fluffiness about this. So good culture means people are engaged means you have an increase in your operating income and you are avoiding that 33% decrease. That's a, that's a really scary number
0: as a business owner. So for business owners who are hearing this right now, and they're realizing they don't actually have a good culture, how can they turn it around? Do you have some recommendations and, um, yeah, like advice that you could give to take the culture to the next level? yeah yeah there's, there are things you can do and and firstly the first thing is
1: be focused on it so think about what kind of culture you want to create this doesn't happen by osmosis sometimes it does but often it happens because leaders are very deliberate about creating a good culture and and they think about it and then they put some plans in place um, it, you can't just rely on as a leader your individual charisma to create a good culture, because a good culture has to be sustained uh, in your policies and processes. And it really has to be something that is, keeps being demonstrated by the people in your company, regardless of whether you're around or not. So so firstly, recognize that culture is important and then think about what do you want to do? What kind of culture do you want to create? Um, And there are characteristics of culture that we can think about. Um, There are dimensions of culture. So as I was talking about before, one dimension is the level of control in an organization. You know, what kind of culture do you want to create around empowering your staff versus, you know, tightly controlling what goes on in in that organization? So that's one aspect, one dimension. Another dimension is... How do you want people to treat each other in the organisation? What do you want the interactions to be like? And there are some values that you can think about that you want to really um, make sure that your culture is demonstrating on the way that you're doing the work, on the way things are done. So you make that clear first. You make that super, super clear. I'll give you an example. So I run um, Higher Spaces Co-working with my um, with my business partner Shu Tan, and we did an exercise on what kind of culture we want to create because we wanted that culture to be our differentiator. We wanted it to be an asset to our business. We've recognized that. And we don't have a lot of staff, but we have a lot of um, people who um, are our members. We have clients and customers and we have suppliers. All of those people are important when considering your culture because they will all feel the ramifications of your culture. So, what we did is we looked at our purpose as an organization, we looked at our, at the kinds of values that we have, and what we really pretty much determined is that one of the key values that we wanted to share and, and really permeate through our culture was a culture of nurturing and caring. And we wanted people to feel like when they come into our premise, when they're working with us, that they feel that from us, and they feel it in the way that we interact with them online. They feel that in the way that we respond to their inquiries. They feel that in the way that we set up our spaces. They feel that in the way in which we empower them to make decisions that that are um, that you know that have implications on us. So we wanted to create that culture, and so that's the first thing we did. We thought, and ev- and now every time we make a decision, we go back to that. We go. Are we demonstrating that culture of nurturing and caring by changing this particular issue or by changing this particular policy? You know, how do we demonstrate that more? And and very clear example of that is when COVID, you know, the pandemic hit, we wanted to make sure that we were providing our members with with that care. Because we know that that people are doing it tough, that they were going to experience some anxiety around changes coming ahead. So we wanted as much as possible to be there to support them. And so our policies around how we transitioned from being open to shut and then being open again, all of that, all of those policies, we, we've we got this lens on, you know, it's like, how do we do that while still providing this culture of nurturing care? So that's one thing. Another thing is that you can actually measure your culture. A lot of companies, measure um, their um, engagement too. You can measure staff engagement but measuring staff engagement is a symptom of culture. You can actually measure uh, culture and there are some really good tools out there that help you measure culture and so you can t- you can ask people about how they um, feel about working in that company and how they feel about these dimensions that I'm talking about. They- you can also ask them what do they see demonstrated that gives them a sense of that culture. And then the other thing in terms of particularly flipping a culture is back to the signature moments that I'm talking about. Now these are gestures that you can do as a company or as a leader that show your the, the essence of your culture or, or the culture you want to develop. So if you're not quite there you can create a signature moment to show people, you know what, this is where we want to go. I did this, I'll give you an example. I did this when I was working for a major um, telecommunications company. And what we did was we wanted to create a culture of greater innovation in the organization. We, we sort of felt like people had kind of got a bit complacent that our leaders weren't thinking, you know, um, weren't sort of thinking into the future enough. They weren't being innovative enough. So as part of that, what we did is we created an experience. It was we took them out of their day job for a day. We had a, an event called a hackathon. And what a hackathon is, is where you often tech companies do hackathons. And what they do is they bring people together to solve problems. People have um, in, uh, you know total autonomy about the problem that they solve, how they're going to solve it. Um, and you set up healthy competition between groups and people have to work in groups and there's no hierarchy. So we set up a, a day where they were working on hackathons and and out of that, a lot of the the comments I got back from people who had attended that day was, wow, I want I want to work like that every day. I'm so glad we're moving in that direction because what we did is we gave them a sense of what that future culture could be like and then they brought that back to their... To their their workplaces. Another example of that um, uh, a few years ago, um, the ANZ bank introduced in their IT spaces uh, a hackathon as well, where they they wanted their their people to be working on customer problems or customer improvements. So they gave their people Fridays to uh, work on that. So as as an employee of ANZ, I could. Um, pick a topic that I wanted to work on I could form my own team and it might not be within even my department it could be other departments I could form the kind of team I need and that team would then work together for a day to solve that problem and you know that the the leadership enabled that because again they wanted to really inspire a culture of innovation where people feel empowered to fix some of these issues that they know customers have, rather than um, being dejected because you know nobody wants to work in a company where you know there's problems, you don't have the power to fix them. Management isn't doing anything about it. Like that, that to me is where you have total disengagement of of your employees when when you have a a, an, a you know a, a, a scenario like that. What you want is to create some kind of gesture some kind of signature moment another thing that companies do is they allow their staff to do a volunteer day once a year or twice a year and they encourage their staff to leave work go and do a volunteer day and come back and tell us stories about how that went and and that shows that the company cares about its community it cares about things that are above and beyond just its you know bottom line So there's lots of things that you can do it doesn't have to be you know allowing staff to have time off it can be you know allowing um, people to come together as a group in a different way to how they'd normally come together to be part of something that that is a little bit different to what their normal day-to-day is it can be as simple as that but it's about getting people to participate in something that is different. It's giving them a different experience, which is aligned to that culture you're trying to create.
0: So any business owners that are wanting to flip their culture, I hope you got some good value from that. And any future business owners, um, if you want to use any of these ideas, um, that'd that'd be great, let us know and And Christy, what
1: I'll do is I'll put a link at the at the um, in the description of this episode to something um, to a kind of a little bit more information on creating signature experiences. So if people want to want to learn more, they can go to the link.
0: Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Joe. And as always, thanks for listening, everybody. And we are looking forward to connecting with you next time. And please send us your questions and what you might want to hear more of in the series at josephine at gearforgrowth.biz, which is also in the description. And thanks for listening. Hope you found value in this today. And take care and join us for the next chat. Bye, everyone for now. Bye.